This segment is brought to you by Turfmend. Turfmend is a patch repair product developed by a former golf course superintendent designed for professional turf managers and homeowners alike to fill in those bare spots or worn areas of turf. Turfmend helps you save time and money by using high quality professional ingredients so you will never end up with weed seed in your repairs. Turfmend is now available in two different formulations. One with USGA specs saying peat moss and grass seed. Or the second formulation, which has Omri listed compost, peat moss, and grass seed. Turfmend is proudly sourced, sourced and blended in the USA. Repair the bear with Turfmend and go to www turfman.com for more information that's www.turfmend.com and make sure the reference dirt on turf make sure to reference dirt on turf when you place your order to get 10% off repair the bear with turfman Welcome to the Dirt on Turf podcast. I'm your host, Chris Toppings. Today we have an amazing guest, but first, let's hear it from our sponsor. Netting professionals are improving programs one facility at a time. Netting professionals specialize in the design, fabrication, and installation of custom nettings for backstops, batting cages, dugouts, scoreboards, overhead netting, barrier netting, sideline netting, golf course netting, and much more. They also design and install digital graphic wall padding, windscreen, turf, turf protectors, dugout benches, dugout cubbies, and more. Netting Professionals continues to provide quality products and services to many recreational, high school, college, and professional fields, facilities, courses, and stadiums throughout the country. Netting professionals are improving programs one facility at a time. Contact them today at 844-620-2707 or info at nettingpros.com. Visit them online at www.nettingpros.com or check out Netting Pros on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn for all their latest products and projects. Welcome to the Dirt on Turf podcast. Today, I have Ryan DeMay. He, if you all are familiar, he was with us last week um, on the Natural versus Synthetic. Today, we have, we're going to have a one-on-one uh, with Ryan. Ryan, welcome. Chris, thanks for having me. I really appreciate coming back on. Yes, sir. Uh, so today, we're going to dive in a little bit on you personally and your career. Um, why don't you give the listeners an introduction of yourself, and we'll go from there. Yeah, so um, I'm here in uh, Columbus, Ohio, and I currently own my own company, a uh, sports field consulting company called Field Source. And so uh, that's a relatively new venture. About three years ago, I started that uh, kind of on the side from a previous job and everything like that. But um, 
started uh, my career, oh gosh, a long time ago, almost 25 years ago now, uh, as a very young man working on a golf course. I had a family friend uh, that said, hey, you know, I'll offer my parents the opportunity for me to come out and work uh, at their golf course. And back then it was literally, there was, you know, the property was kind of divided up where there was three, six holes on one side of the property, six holes on the other side, six holes on the other side of the shop and everything was right in the middle of it. And so I'd go out there three days a week and for $20 in cold, hard cash as a 13 year old kid, I'd weed eat all the trees and anything that was vertical on six holes one day, six holes the next day, six holes the next day, no golf cart. I got a little like one gallon can, a two cycle mix and trotted myself around and kind of had to figure it out. And so I did that for uh, a couple of seasons and then started, you know, just learning more and getting more into it and everything like that. And, um, I was getting ready to go off to college and I thought I was going to go and, uh, I was going to be a lawyer. That's what I really wanted to be back when I was, uh, 18 and graduating high school and decided I got, uh, I got talked out of it a little bit. Um, I had a, I had an interesting summer that year after I graduated from high school and I have an older brother who's a lot older than me. He's about 11 years older. And he told me, you know, he said, man, you're really good at this. You really seem to enjoy it. And, you know, you ought to give it a chance, right? It might not be the, the most traditional path. It might not be what people expect you to do and this and that, but you ought to give it a chance, you know, for yourself to stay true to yourself. And so, you know, I, I took that to heart and I, 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 uh, I, I can't say I dropped out cause I never went, I never went to that fall semester. And I, I went, I started uh, in the winter uh, after I graduated. So I kept working on the golf course and everything and went out and uh, got into turf grass management. I went to Ohio state to their two-year program and uh, went through there, uh, did a couple internships on golf courses, got out, and at the time uh, decided I was going to move down to uh, Columbus. I was from up by Cleveland, and so moved about two hours south into Columbus and um, moved in with my then-girlfriend, then-fiancé, now wife, and got a job down here, worked for a few years, and then decided I wanted to go back to school get my four-year degree and so that was just more of like a, a personal challenge like hey should I do this and finish it up and all that kind of stuff and I'm glad I did I got to meet a lot of cool people there uh, interact with the faculty and I know like on our um, previous cast like you you mentioned uh, Casey Reynolds was one of your your GAs you know your teaching assistants when you were there and he, you still have that relationship with them and I still have a relationship with all those people at Ohio State so that's a really special thing for me uh, to still have this day but so yeah, I was in, after graduating there, I was in golf for, oh, another uh, uh, five or six years. And then um, my wife and I, my wife gave birth to our first child, my son. And I decided that, man, the 70 to 80 hour a week grind of the golf course, which I love. I mean, I absolutely loved it. I, I, I enjoy the heck out of um, just that need to always be on top of it right because if you weren't gaining ground on it you were losing ground uh, twice as fast and I just love that pressure and that sense of urgency and I learned a lot from that uh, both personally and professionally but it just wasn't sustainable having a young family and all that kind of stuff and so I was fortunate that a job came open uh, here with the city parks department in Columbus which is the state capital here in Ohio so uh, I took over there and ran what is or what was and still is uh, the largest uh, ball field park in the country. So I, when I first started there, uh, Lou Bur Berliner Park is a 
31 field facility uh, just like a mile south of downtown so i mean it's it's crammed Gosh. in there right there yeah so we got 31 uh 31 diamonds there in one place on 210 acres and um so i ran that for three years and we did tournaments we did practices anything you can think of from usually the end of february all the way up until thanksgiving every single year every weekend was book solid and we played seven days a week out there so i think when i i started there uh till the time i had we averaged somewhere in the neighborhood of about sixteen thousand five hundred games or so per year uh mm. just at the facility so it was it was always moving man there was always something going on and i loved it because they um they really were at a, at a point where they needed a, a more professional maintenance staff, right? So they always had, uh, you know, the guys and gals that took care of the place. But, you know, they really needed to level up on their customer experience and the turf conditions and just putting in place those processes and those systems to make it repeatable, like every single day, just make it as simple and straightforward, because it's never easy. It's simple what we do, but it's not easy. Mm -hmm. to make that all simple and so that was kind of my charge there for three years and then i was fortunate they created a position for me uh to stay there and kind of take over all of the sports facilities within our our park system so at that point then we were taking care of um 31 parks uh five indoor athletic complexes that do like you know basketball volleyball that kind of stuff um four cricket pitches uh, like 62 soccer fields. So we, I mean, we had a lot in our system, you know, a huge operation that we were uh, taking care of all these facilities and it was great. You know, we had great staff, great team. And I just couldn't, couldn't say anything better about that experience. Cause I was, I was always challenged. I was always put in a position to have success, but I had to go out and get it. Like I had to go out and make it happen um, and do it not by myself. I had to do it with other people and delegate and, um, put people in the right position to have success, all that kind of stuff. So last part of my journey is, you know, during all that, we had a second child and I got to have about six weeks off um, as part of uh, my paternity leave when, when my daughter was born. And I decided, you know what, I, I really would like to know if there's a way that I can help and do this with other people, right? Is there a way that, um, you know, there's other people in the same situation that want to you know, get better and don't have the tools, the talent, the necessary resources to be able to do it? Or is it something that maybe that's not out there? And so I started exploring that and I started uh, Field Sources just a really small, I had two clients uh, right here in town and um, it started off like that. And then just through word of mouth and everything, it just grew and grew and grew. And so we started doing, um, you know, project management for folks and doing new builds and renovations. We started doing management consulting on, um, helping existing operations, you know, sort of organize and optimize their, their, uh, their operations and everything like that. And it's just continued to grow. And so three years later, I was put in a situation where I had to make a choice. It was like, I'm, <laughs> I am unable to continue burning the candle from both ends. And, um, I want to make, you know, I, I love the impact that I had by my, my, uh, previous employer, now previous employer at city of Columbus, where, you know, a hundred and you know, hundred thousand people a month were having a good time because of what we did. You know, one point five million people a year we had rolling through our facilities. But I knew that uh, from the sports field side and, and everything like that, that I wanted to see more people have access um, to better fields, safer fields, because I see so many that 
could do better if they just had the right resources in place and had the right mindset in place from a leadership perspective, not necessarily just the groundskeeper, but leaders in general. So I did that. I, I made the choice and I went full time with it um, here within the last few months. And um, it's been a blessing. It really has been. It's been great to um, kind of take control of your own destiny on that side of things, you know, just personally, but from a professional standpoint, I've got so much good feedback and so many um, calls of people saying, hey, you know what, I need your help. Can you come in and talk to us about this project or this, you know, this thing that we're trying to do with our staff or this or that. And it's been great. It's been really great. So that's a really long answer of how I got here, but I really appreciate you taking the time to, to, uh, oh, that's very interesting because, um, not many people have, not many people are willing to take that risk. Uh, the risk to be able to go, um, take, go and take your job like that, you know, so, that's interesting to me in general. And I'm curious, do you do you stay just in Ohio or do you go around other states? I think that's something that the listeners would want to know. Let's take us a break and hear from our sponsor. Yeah, so I do go to other states. Um, and so we're within about a three, four hour drive of Indianapolis, Detroit, uh, Fort Wayne, Pittsburgh, uh, Buffalo is a little further away, but parts of West Virginia, Lexington, Kentucky, Louisville, Kentucky, all that. So we will go further out. And, you know, it's something that I hope in the future that, you know, we can expand even further and, um, you know, have branch offices or satellite offices, who knows. But I know that, uh, you know, in talking to people both here in the Midwest and in other parts of the country, a lot of times when I go into a place that people will be like, well, you're coming in here and you're going to tell me how to do my job and I'm offended or threatened by that. And I, and it's like, I just want to one, be the advocate for the groundskeeper, right. To tell them and have a straight conversation with them. Like if there's something they're doing that isn't right, then let's work through how to get, you know, to where it is right. But more so it's how do you talk to and get a seat at the table with those administrators, with, you know, the programmers, the athletic directors, all those people that are, making the decision that sometimes you're shut out of that process. And that's really um, one of the biggest reasons I started this is because I saw that happening way too often. Um, the groundskeepers were shut out and they didn't have that advocate in the room to be able to say, that's not right. We shouldn't do it that way. Or this is going to put, you know, your staff, you know, your sports turf maintenance staff in a bad position at some point down the road. Here's how we can do it a little bit differently and put them in a more advantageous position. And so that's been, really interesting but yeah so going outside of Ohio is definitely something that um, we have done we'll continue to do but there's plenty of work here as it stands right now and so that's uh, I guess that's a, a, another blessing too is that we're able to stay close to home for right now but we definitely want to get out now how long ago how long ago did you make this transition has this been this year yeah it was this year it was just within the last uh uh, three, four months that we started to make it full time and oh, wow. you know, sort of drift away from uh, my previous employer. Hang on one second again, Chris. Sorry. You're good, buddy. Blowing up on me. Yeah. Um, well, it's interesting that uh, you made this transition so soon. Um, you know, from, I, I thought this transition happened like years ago, but I didn't know it happened <laughs> in the last few months. So that's uh, uh that's really good to hear because you don't hear of a lot of people doing that with 
after the pandemic and things like that. And so it's really nice to hear that business is that way for you to make that transition. So it's really promising to hear. No, I agree. And, and that trust me, it was a scary time, you know, a year ago. I was, you know, I had thought about maybe it being a years ago, uh, a year ago that I would make that leap. And clearly that would have been a, a horrible move. Um, but, I, you know, the, the biggest thing I've seen with, you know, work and everything like that has been, you know, there was a period, I would say, up until maybe August, September of last year that people were just really freaked out, didn't know what was going to happen. And then I think right about then, most of the clients I had and most of the prospects I had just started saying, hey, you know what, we got to do this. We got to, you know, improve these fields or improve our operation. We got to, you know, really make that effort to get this done and don't let this, you know, this stop us. And so I thought that was good. And it's continued. Like I said, it's just, it's continued to grow and build and, it, you know, forced me into a situation where you got to make a decision. That's not a bad spot to be in, but yeah, right. like you said, it's, it's jump, it's still jumping off that cliff and taking that risk. So uh, I think it's going to pay off though. I, I have a, I I do a, too, man. I, I a think deep belief that that would happen. So that's awesome to hear, you know, um, well, speak, you know, we're going kind of, Swing back a little bit. Who got you into turf and who was your mentor or role model in the industry? Was it your brother that initially got you to say that they gave you that push, you know, when you said you need to go this route? Because I also did a two-year school at uh, NC State University, you know, to start mm -hmm. out with. So uh, is he the one who um, kind of pushed you to go to, hey, hey, man, you've been doing this in high school and stuff. Why don't you go ahead and go with this? I mean, is he the reason why? Or who is? He's a, he's a big reason. He's a big reason for sure. I mean, I was just really conflicted that year, man. Like I knew that I could go and do, a, you know, a bunch of other stuff. You know, like that confused college kid that's like an undeclared major for the first four years of school. <laughs> yeah. I could have been that guy. Yeah, yeah, I could have been that person because, uh, you know, uh, I'm a, I'm a confident person. I know I could have done well at a lot of things, but my it was my heart going to be in it, and so right even at that age, you know, having somebody put it like that, um, that, Hey, if you do what your heart's into, everything will kind of take care of itself. And so he was right. That was, he was, you know, he was a big influence on that. You know, the people I worked for at the time who were, um, family friends of ours, you know, I think those people, they had been, you know, it's a family run golf course. So they had been in that side of the business for, you know, since they were born basically. And they were even, you know, they were even telling me like, Hey, just give this a shot. It's, it's worth your time. You can make a good living at it. And if you like doing it, then you shouldn't stop. And right. I haven't stopped. So, <laughs> well, I mean, you know, but yeah, mentors, I mean, that's a good question too. I mean, I've, I've, I've had every, literally every stop I've had in my career and you know, every job I've had in my career, uh, I've been fortunate to have somebody in each one of those jobs, I can look back and say, I learned something really impactful from that person. And, um, you know, literally just, I, I always think about, I was driving down the road today, thinking about a boss I had 19 years ago in golf, you know, that I worked for for one year and just some of the things he said and talked about and all that kind of stuff. But it's, um, you know, it's something that if you, you, we see this, you used to see this a lot in golf and, you know, maybe not to the same extent in sports turf. I think sports turf is a little bit uh, better at this, but you know, a lot of times people choose like 
really high end name places to go do their internship or do their, you know, get their first job out of school because they think it's going to look good on a resume. And it's not always the case, you know, and so I've always tried to pick people over places, right? Right. If I pick good people to work for, again, stuff will take care of itself. I will learn, I will grow, I will be pushed, I will be coached, you know, and that, that to me is way more important than the name of, hey, I worked at wherever, you know, that you feel like is a prestigious place. Not saying that there's anything bad with those places at all, but the people that you work with and for are way more important. Yeah, uh, I would agree with that 100%. And so you kind of already gave, given us a, uh, a breakdown of what, of what you're doing, you know, you're the advocate, you really, you're a consultant, which everybody here knows, and I would hope has dealt with a consultant if they've done any kind of major renovation. And if not, uh, this needs to be your wake up call right here. Um, yeah, there, there's a lot of bad stuff that can happen. There's a lot of good stuff that can happen. And I'll tell you, that's, that's another uh, kind of connection piece there of something I saw that was happening way too frequently and kind of inspired me to, to do this was that, you know, a lot of times, especially in parks and rec or K-12 schools, you'll see, you know, a project gets conceptualized. And again, maybe there's some input from the groundskeeper, maybe there's not, but it gets conceptualized and it gets designed by an engineer and or an architect. Then it gets bid, then it gets built, and then it gets turned over to whoever that is, that school, that, uh, that park district, whatever the case is. And there's no real connection there or synergy between any of those parts. It's just sort of, it's like dumped in their lap. So it's like, if we start at the beginning and think about how this is going to be maintained and how not even more importantly, before we even try to choose how we're going to maintain it, how is it going to be used? Right. Is this a, you know, a little park field that's out in a passive park that might just see some soccer practices, or is this, you know, uh, a, a stadium field that's going to be used, you know, predominantly for high end sports events and things like that. So trying to put all that stuff together and then put numbers to it and send um, and show to, um, whether it be a school board or a park director or anything like that to be able to say, hey, this is what you're going to need from a labor standpoint, from a budget standpoint, from an equipment standpoint, all these things that a lot of times go fall through the cracks and then it's just left to the poor groundskeeper that's like, well, hey, why don't you go figure out a way to make that work? <laughs> and and, and the, you know what the, the sad thing is, Chris, this is, this is a sad thing is that we are such prideful people but we do it. We figure out a way and we make it work. And we are a victim of our own success in that regard. Victim of our own success because we continually just say, I will figure out a way. I will figure out a way. And you do that so many times and it feels like, you know, right about now, you know, June, July, August and fall sports getting ready to start. You feel like your head's going to explode is because you haven't been given the proper resource. You haven't had somebody advocate for your position. Um, through all this stuff, whether it's just operational changes or projects, improvements, restorations, renovations, whatever the case might be. So it's, it's fun to be, participate in all that and really uh, get the other folks that you answer to, to see it from our point of view and talk their language, but also then be able to go in the shop and talk to the guys and gals down there and talk in our language too. Yeah, most definitely. Uh, I have a question though. Mm-hmm. what if you had a warning label what would it be oh man 
Uh, well, let me think here. If I had a warning label. Uh, well, one, I ask a lot of questions and sometimes it might seem like they're stupid, but I just like to know. I got I have this insatiable need to know and get as much information as I can so I can help people make a good decision or help myself make a good decision. That's number one. Number two, I am an extrovert's extrovert. So I have no problem talking to anybody and having a very real conversation with them. And sometimes people confuse being real with like really like in your face and everything like that. But I'm just more of the type of like, let's, let's, you know, have a true conversation. What are you trying to get out of this? Because I think a lot of times people go into a room and feel like they're, they're in negotiation mode and they got to win the conversation or something like that. You know, when you go into talk about a deal or a project or something like that, it's just like, tell me what your pain points are. Tell me what you are having trouble with, you know, to be real with me and I'll be real with you on what I see and, and how to, you know, figure it out and work through it and everything like that. But That's right. um, it pe makes people uncomfortable It does when you're like that sometimes. And so that would be my warning label is uh, get ready to be real. That's right. Uh, you know, I can second that. I, I like that. You know, I, well, you know, I say that, but a lot of people say that they like that and they get into the situation and they're not, they don't like it. <laughs> um, oh, I agree. I, I Yeah, 100%. You got to get used to that, like used yeah. to being uncomfortable like mm -hmm. that. And some people are intimidated by that. And uh, I like being real too. I, I don't like gray area. You know, I, I like black and white. I can take a, I can take a real abrupt hit in the face, you know, better than I can. <laughs> better than i can you know somebody slipping around the back door you know what i'm saying uh yeah you don't want to yeah you don't want to get jabbed for 12 rounds you just rather that uh one two and knock you on the down knock you on the deck right? that's right that's right yeah <laughs> where's tyson at that's right as long as i don't get bitten i think we'll be all right <laughs> yeah so your current position challenge is like what are you what are you dealing with right now on a day-to-day -day? i mean i think we've addressed some of that stuff but what are you seeing right now as some challenges that you face that you are facing so i'll, I'll talk about this on like uh in the business and and this can outside be the business yeah and this can be also yeah that's good too but it can also be an issue that you're facing with a, with clients and stuff that you're like trying to figure out whether it be a yeah. turf thing or an administration thing or a mm -hmm. mindset thing because your your position is a little different, so I want you to be feel free to just feel free to whatever you feel like is a challenge that you're constantly coming to. I mean, I'm just gonna let you take it and run with it. Yeah. So I, I mean, I think the the first thing on the uh, like inside the business is that again, like we talked about in the synthetic versus uh, natural podcast i thought that was a great episode i thought tom and you were both very engaging on that subject and that's one that you know i i, I guess a, a challenge is on the natural grass side like there's a lot of things we didn't get to talk about on that but that are stacked against natural grass that synthetic does have available to it and i, I consult on both i'll be completely honest like i i will put all the facts out there i'll tell people you know what the uh what the numbers look like and then look at you know the the playing aspect of it too of what they're you know what they're going to use it for and what some of the uptime versus downtime looks like on natural versus synthetic all that stuff we'll go through all that when we do uh, a feasibility study but um 
with natural grass, like there's just not a lot of those options that are available in terms of number one, there's no cohesive marketing strategy to it other than we just say safety, safety, safety. And that's an important thing. Don't get me wrong, but you know, the turf guys have like six talking points that they can rip off and make people feel warm and fuzzy. Right. And it might only hit one out of six for one person, but that might be all they need to buy it. Right. So that's one thing is that, yeah. You know, the other thing there too, is that they've really mastered and cornered the market in terms of the financing options that are available. So while it is expensive, they give you great ways to pay. Right. So that you might not necessarily need to have all that 750 to a million dollars right up front to pay. Right. So it gives access to more people to be able to buy it. Whereas natural grass, like we just, you, if you're buying sod and you're buying sand and drainage pipe and all that stuff, like you better have my money. Like now today I need it. And so that's, that's something that I've been working on of trying to come up with. Uh, I've, I've got a way, I think. And I think that's something that is, uh, something we're looking to in the future is how do we have a surface that we can go in and say, okay, Hey, apples to apples, you can get this natural grass surface. And here it is all in, just like you go in and you buy that synthetic turf and here it is all in until you go to replace. Right. So that I can show the differences and there's still a tremendous amount of savings, right. With that natural grass yield, even if you build it and all the maintenance, everything like that, even if it's, you know, some of it or all of it's contracted out, I mean, there's, there's still a ton of savings there um, for that owner. And so I think if the natural grass people can get their act together and, and somebody can step up to the plate in terms of a, uh, a service provider and installer and kind of that synergy between those two, I think it can happen. And then the financing piece, I think, can be worked out pretty easily because there's a lot of options out there in the financial world to make that happen too. So I think that would be really cool. It's a challenge, I think, right now that um, we face as an industry. And I think that would be one thing to, um, pun absolutely intended, level the playing field. So that's one thing. On the, on the um, you know, the marketing, the business side, the biggest challenge is there's not many people that are doing what I'm doing, you know, from a, a regional standpoint or a nationwide standpoint. And so building that awareness in the marketplace and trying to figure out how best to do that. And it's, again, like the, the groundskeepers are um, in, in the sports field managers are probably not necessarily my direct customer. A lot of times they're a gatekeeper to somebody who is above them. That's going to write the check and say, Hey, yeah, we need this person to help our organization out with whatever it is that we're trying to do. Um, so it's getting in front of those people to say, Hey, this is something that you have access to because that, you know, uh, school districts and, um, universities, park districts, all that they use consultants all the time for a variety of stuff, right. Management related, construction related, whatever. Um, so this is just a new way of looking at it because, you know, there's just no other service providers like that in the marketplace right now. So, um, but no, it's, it, it's it's a really good spot to be in though um, because there's very few people doing it. And I know there could be more uh, in the future. And that's what I'm hoping is that we can get in front of this and kind of set the way and the tone for how to deal with all these situations. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's really interesting. It's kind of, to me, it sounds like for me, it's kind of like a dream come true. Um, uh, you're self-employed and you're still in turf. Um, that's pretty sweet. <laughs> um, 
it's also pretty scary sometimes. Right? I know, I, I mean, know, it, it, I know. That's scary, what I was scary there is thinking. not the right word. It, it's all good. It, it it really is good because, um, like I said, there's there's such an impact to be had because you know I know groundskeepers need the help. I know these organizations need the help. I mean, a lot of times I'll go and talk to, you know, what we consider to be these you know tough guy quote unquote administrators or ads or whatever. They want the same things we want. They just a lot of times don't know how to get there and don't know that there's resources available to help them do it a better way. And they need a groundskeeper's perspective as an advocate. They need that. Yeah. It's somebody educated like you are and professional like you are and, you know, well-spoken all that. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. A lot of times groundskeepers are given the mentality that surrounds that career field is Bill Murray from Caddyshack hands down. And that's oh, what everybody sees. And so that's how they don't get a seat at the table that you're talking about. And you just being an advocate <laughs> you know, for that is, 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 a, is awesome. I think. And it's funny too, that you say that because I can't tell you how many times I'll go in and I'll say something to, uh, you know, an admin type or something like that. And I was one of those people. I mean, when I had that, that, you know, my last job with uh, the city of Columbus, I was, I was an administrator. I was like, at, at that level and having to interact with you know the the you know the director level people and the fiscal people and our programming people that were saying hey we're going to go out and play you know 20 games in two days on these fields you know in these uh, softball and baseball fields because we got a tournament coming in or whatever and trying to like meld all that together so that's where I was able to kind of build this from but you're right that it it's about you know you'll go in and you'll sit, sit down and talk to these folks. And so many times you'll say something and then you go back and tell the groundskeeper and he's like, I've been saying that for years. And I was like, I know, but when you hear it from another person, like for whatever reason, there's just this human condition that you're like, Oh yeah, that makes sense. And I know that the groundskeeper has probably been saying it for years and years and years and saying it probably exactly the same way, whatever the case might be. But yeah, it's funny uh, how you, you get that from another source and it's like, yep. Okay. That makes sense. Let's go ahead and do that. It's like, man, where, you know, where was that decision five years ago or something like that? But yeah. uh, at, at least I always tell the folks, you know, the, the groundskeepers at that point, it's like, Hey, at least we're moving in the right direction now. So let's just, let's just water on the bridge. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. That's right. And I think it, um, like you said, I, I'm, I'm going to add a little something in here. We are prideful. Turf managers are, are prideful. I, I've, I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to say that as a stereotype to all turf managers. I'm just saying that there is some pride involved because of it's our field. That's our baby, you know, and then mm-hmm. we're asking for things from administration and I'm not knocking any administration. I want to go ahead and say that, but I've seen this, like what you're saying. I've seen it Absolutely before. Not. I've seen it. What you, what you're saying before and they advocate for something they, they need this and they're like, uh, you know, we need to do this, this, this first. And they're like, okay, okay. And so after a while, that person becomes bitter. And I think their approach, I'm saying the groundskeeper's approach also can become a little different as well, you know, because of years of the same answer, you know. And so even though he might ask it the same way, his approach might not be the same the 400th time as it was the first time too. And then, Somebody comes in, they're like, well, we're going to hire a consultant. And so when they bring the consultant in and 
then it's just a lot smoother, you know? Yeah, and, and I there's there's sometimes there's maybe a little bit of resentment there, at least initially, but that fades away because then we start going to work and getting stuff done, and I think mm-hmm. people appreciate that. And I think that's the that, that's the way that you have to approach it. I mean, I think in other – we're also not used to having consultants, right? That's the other uh, maybe headwind or challenge or whatever that I face is that there's – again, I said at the top of the show, there's people that feel – threatened or outright pissed that what you know who's this guy coming in here and thinking he's gonna tell uh, like (laughs) listen that's not what this is right that's not what this is now if there's stuff that could be improved there's all and and chris you know this Mm -hmm. you're an athlete you understand what's up is uh there's always ways to improve and if you don't believe that as a groundskeeper you're you're in the wrong you're on you're in the wrong field because like you know, how many times you go out to your field and people are like, man, Chris, this is the best it's ever looked. This is the best it's ever looked. This is amazing. I can't believe you guys were able to do this. And, and I'm like, over and you're like, but you're like, oh, like that little thing right there. And they're still like, I got this list here that's like two pages long. And yeah, it's good. But gosh, man, I don't, there's like so much stuff I, I still need to do to make it right. And that list never ends. And so that's the whole point. It's like if you're a, a, a truly a person that believes in um you know never ending improvement and the the self sacrifice and discipline it takes to just keep going forward in pursuit of that then you should be a sports field manager or you should be in turf in general but definitely a sports field manager cuz you know the golf guys got it easy you can just say oh you know it rained the other day so you know the course looks a little bit off you can't say that with sports fields like we got to play today it's it's go time so yeah yeah, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you another question here. Okay. What's the best turf grass advice you have ever been given? Ah, uh, man, there's like I said, I've had so many good mentors over the years. I mean, the best advice is again, it goes back to that that people thing is just you know treating people right and knowing that it's a long season, a long year, a long career, and you're really, really, really uh it, it can be hard to, it can be easy to go hard on people but you gotta you gotta stay the course and be humble uh you gotta stay the course and be kind to your people right mm-hmm. and understand that you know nobody gets up and comes to work and says man i really want to screw this up today yeah. you know, they they want to do a good job they want to do a good job <laughs> for you and you should you should make yourself a person that people want to do a good job for you know, that, that holds you in high regard as a boss. And that doesn't mean like letting them walk all over you. That doesn't mean that, you know, letting them come in, you know, 15 minutes late every day and not doing anything about it. Like it's holding the standards and, and um, giving them the tools and the resources and then backing them up when it comes down to it. And so I just really believe that the best advice I've ever gotten has just been through the examples that have been set for me. And the examples have always been that you know, be, if you be a good boss and you be a good mentor, um, people will respond positively. And the people that don't, you know, that's, that's the other thing I'll say real quick is that the most priceless thing you can have in life is clarity, clarity on where you stand with somebody. And if you're, if you're trying to put, you're trying to put yourself in a position where, um, to be a leader and to put yourself out there and to put your work out there for everybody to see, to criticize, to judge, everything like that, then you're going to know who's with you and you know who's against you. 
And too often I see people put way too much time and emphasis of like, and worry on the people that aren't with you. Right. Mm-hmm. Of all oh, man, the bad employee, I got to watch him. I got to make sure he's doing what he's supposed to be doing, man. You probably got a few, a players, a couple, you know, five stars out there that are killing it for you that you're not putting the time, effort and energy into of making them better. And that's where your time should be. So invest in the people that are with you, invest in the people that'll help you get there. And then there's going to be a time where it's either time for you to go for them to go or whatever, and just support the hell out of them, support the hell out of each other and good things will happen. So I, I, you know, I could sit here and talk about, you know, grass, I could talk about, you know, soils, all this other stuff, all this science stuff, which I love, and I could nerd out all night with you here for sure. But you ain't getting any of that done. And it ain't going to mean a hell of a difference. If you don't have good people working with you that believe in you and trust you and likewise. That's absolutely right. I mean, you, you are what you surround yourself with, you know. Um, no doubt. What are your passions outside your job? With the little curveball here. <laughs> Ooh, this is where I struggle. Probably my, uh, my, I mean, I'm a simple man. So I'm, you know, I'm just going to say my family because that's, that's really all I invest the rest of my time in. I've got two kids, I've got a son who's almost nine. I got a daughter that's almost three and a wife and I've been married for 16 years. And so, um, I, I try to spend as much time with them as I can. And, uh, that's more time, you know, it's been steadily more time, uh, that I've been able to spend with them. And that's great because, you know, time doesn't come back. Those memories don't, you know, get made if you're not there to make them and all that kind of stuff. And I truly believe that. So outside of that, I'm a pretty boring person. I'm a, I'm a total, uh, geek and nerd when it comes to grass. So as much as it is my vocation and my livelihood, it is also my hobby. And so I find myself a lot of times, um, you know, talking grass, helping people out with other things related to that volunteering, uh, for, you know, our state, uh, STMA chapter and our state uh, turf organization and things like that of just, you know, trying to prove this great industry. It's, it's, uh, you know, I think you, you've mentioned it on several of your casts before is that it's, it's unlike any other industry, you know, mm-hmm. in so many different ways in the camaraderie and the respect that people have for one another, and you go to any other, any other industry and it's, you know, if you work for a different company or different organization, it's like, man, screw that guy. He's a blah, blah, blah. Like in this industry, if you do that, you ain't going to be in it very long. Or you're right? going to be blackballed not- from it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like nobody's going to want to want to give you the time of day. And so I just think that's something that I just, I believe so strongly in is, is trying to get more people involved and trying to help the people that are here do better. Um, I don't know. I, I just feel like that that's my, my purpose now um, is just helping everybody do better. If I do my job, right. You know, when I, when I, my, my field source job, right. If I do my job as a consultant better, that means the architect, the engineer, the, uh, the builder, the superintendent, the park director, the groundskeeper, the program director, the AD, the athlete, the coaches, the people that really matter, right. The people that are using those fields, even the guy, you know, that, you know, drank a six pack and showed up to play beer league softball. Right. I owe him that I, I owe him. If I do my job well, those people, all those people will do better. They will have more fun. They will do better at their jobs, whatever the, the end goal is. And so that's kind of where I put my time and emphasis now is just trying to help other people do better um, through what I'm passionate about. And that's turf grass and that's sports fields and uh, everything that surrounds it. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yes, uh, 
Man, this is a good combo, I'll have to say. Uh, uh, I was curious on my questions, and I was like, man, this is a co- he's a sports field consultant, and I'm scared to ask questions and all that. <laughs> so I like you can ask questions. Yeah, I know. I've figured out some. I have added some new questions in here, like thrown some new. Uh, uh, Dr. Grady Miller. I'll be the tester. I'll- yeah, Dr. Grady Miller from North Carolina State University. Uh, he was one of my instructors as well. And I reached out to him about the podcast and asked him what, what he thought. And he said, I think it's a great idea. I think it's great. And he gave me some suggestions. Some, you know, uh, I call it constructive criticism. Um, but uh, some people don't like that term. But I'm fine with being criticized, um, you know, because I can build. It's, motiv- better. Yeah, it's, it's motivation. And uh, it doesn't bother me at all. Um, so it, it's it's been fun, you know doing some of these new questions and adding some of these more personal questions, not too personal, but a little bit in the middle of these, you know, to kind of, so it's yeah, peeling back the onion a little bit. I like it. Yeah. That's I like right. it. Um, you got to have a funny turf story. You got to have a funny. Oh my gosh. So many, uh, it's <laughs> a uh, I'm thinking if I can think of a, a sports field story. I mean, there, geez, you really put me on the spot here. We can come back to uh, it. We can come back to it. We'll come back to it. Cause I want, I want to make sure one, I've got one that's like uh, at least PG 13. Cause there's, there's a lot of rated R stories. I know. <laughs> Why is it with ter- funny turf stories are rated R? I don't, I don't understand either. Uh, yeah. Mine are the same way. That's why I don't share them. Oh yeah. Yeah. Right, we'll uh, so one of my we'll, questions, we'll on one here. of my questions was, what did you want to do for a career when you got out of high school and what changed that path? And, uh, you've answered that earlier, man, that was, see, I, I, I didn't even know that was on. And you're good. Man, you're too, just so. good. All right. So we're going to go to this one because this is one of my big questions. And this is something that sure. I'm very, extremely, extremely passionate about. And, uh, my boss is passionate about, and he's the one who's kind of transferred uh-huh. that passion to me. The importance of continuing education and staying informed. And then I'll throw my little twist on it with use of technology and apps. Um, in your industry in t- or in your position in the turf industry, um, just mm-hmm. give me your perspective on this and uh, you know, elaborate with it. Tell me what you think. So continuing education, I mean, just like, you know, we talked about continuous improvement of your field and, and all that, like, you're not going to get better if you're not learning anymore, right? Like if you continue to stay at that same level and sit here and hit, you know, what I say is like the ceiling of knowledge, right? If you're just bumping your head up against that, mm-hmm. man, it's time to, to climb up to the next floor and keep going. And, you know, there's so much available out there right now in terms of, you know, for what I would call formal education, right? So if you're a person working on the crew, you know, there's, you know, online certificates that you can do to get yourself educated in a formal fashion. You know, you've got, um, you know, the STMA national events, you've got now field days are back this year uh, for uh, state organizations. We just had one up here in Ohio a couple of weeks back, had like 60 people there, had, you know, three, four hours of education. It was awesome, you know, to be back in person and seeing that. So, you know, take advantage of this. And the, the thing I'm going to say next is just the informal side of things, right? So the informal side is, you know, going to those events and I'll tell you what, you know, Chris, I, you know, I don't know how much you agree with this statement or not, but I learn, I probably learn more from just the networking and talking to people and having real conversations 
at those events, right? Where you're talking to fellow sports field managers uh, and people in the industry of what are you doing? What are you seeing? What about this? We're thinking of trying that. Have you seen this before? Have you tried like, there's so much to be taken away from those informal conversations. And, you know, how many times do you have all those people in one room to just sit and share time with? It's not very often. And that's why it's important to go to these events because yes, you're getting good formal education from, you know, academic speakers, university folks, uh, people in the industry, vendors, whoever, and that's all well and good, but it's also that taking that time to do the informal stuff. And the I've other learned, part of that too, go ahead. Yeah. I've learned more. As you said that you want, you asked if yeah. I agreed or not, I've learned more and I'm not knocking my education at NC state. It was top of the line education and I loved it, but I believe that I have learned just as much, if not more from networking and sitting down with the thing of chicken wings mm-hmm. and a cold drink with yeah. people like Nolan Thomas. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you know, Grady Miller, Casey Reynolds. Yeah. Those one-on-one conversations that are very informal. When we're at the conference or something and we're walking to the building and everybody's just kind of taking a break, that Monday night when we get to the conference here, here's an example. Everybody's watching the Monday night football game, having hors d'oeuvres and stuff, just chilling, hanging out. And so yeah. at that moment yeah. is when – you have a couple of them they're gonna get a little wild i mean that's that's but that's with anything that you go to it doesn't have to be that so it's it's uh i will definitely agree with that about the informal conversations 100 percent agree and you know i wish that sometimes i could have used that 40 grand i spent on the college education for you know the food and drink tab uh, talking to all these people then my, you know, we should go down to college for free and just, you know, use that all up at B-dubs or, you know, something like that. But yeah, so I think that, uh, you know, that, so that education piece is important, the informal one and keeping those lines of communication open too, when you're not, you know, right there with each other, being able to pick up the phone, call, text, whatever, that's really important. You know, on the technology side. Let's take us a break and hear from our sponsor. This segment is brought to you by MVP Genetics. Mountain View Performance Genetics is an exciting new division of Mountain View Seeds that will focus on vegetative warm season cultivars. They are breaking barriers between grass seed and sod research, development, and direct licensing to sod producers on warm season cultivars for sports turf, golf, and landscape applications. Look for their current innovations like their newest elite Bermuda grass, Iron Cutter, as well as coming attractions like their golf and landscape zoysia, tentatively set for release in 2022. Contact them today to learn more. Contact Adam at 971-718-4525. Yeah, so on the technology side of things, there's a lot of cool stuff out there. I mean, from... um, from apps and things like that, I think really there's going to be a big shift here because of all the labor pains we're going through. And this is something else that we're closely working with and trying to uh, get people moving in this direction towards uh, automation and robots and making more data driven decisions. And so like some of the robotic painters and mowers that you see out there, 
I think there's a lot of uh, space for those to expand and become more uh, widely used. And on the, the data side or the app side, it's, you know, understanding, you know, uh, moisture you know, content in your soil and uh, using uh, smarter irrigation controls instead of just kind of set it and forget it. And I think a lot of us at this high level are doing that, but I think there's a lot more that could be uh, pushed out there, even to what we would consider, well, oh, you'd never use that at a high school or you never use that at a park and rec bowl like there's there's ways to use it and to see you know the roi you know really really quickly on some of these things so i think it'd be really interesting of helping people get into uh some of these things and not because i'm trying to sell them like i have zero stake in it i just want people to do well right and if there's a tool or technology or something that's going to help them get there faster in their particular situation then that's what we should use you know i'm that's that's kind of the way i work is um nobody nobody tell me what i need to do or what i should be selling or anything like that what works for you know you at ecu might not work someplace else and that, that's the way it goes that's you know that's the difference is that um everybody has their own things that work and their own things that don't exactly right um what's your proudest accomplishment Oof. Man, my proudest accomplishment. Professional and personal style. Oh wow, okay. Um, this can be a this can be a two part question. It's up to you. Yeah, I'm, it's gonna have to be. I mean, proudest professional accomplishment. Um, you know, I remember my my CSFM uh, oh, wow. through STMA last year. That was a pretty proud one. You know, of of, of knocking that out and being in that elite group. I mean, another one would be uh, same thing through STMA. Um, the previous place I was at, that, that large park I was talking about, Berliner Sports Park in Columbus, Ohio, we did the environmental facility uh, certification through them. And that's a pretty detailed and intricate process to get through that. Uh, a lot of steps and a lot of things you got to um, either have in place or, or improve or make right. And so those two things from a professional side of, of getting that on the right track and um, showing that not only to, you know, to the world and everything like that, that's important, but internally showing folks that yeah hey we're doing things the right way and from a personal standpoint on the you know the csfm you know i'm trying to be the best that i can be i'm trying to make sure that i can demonstrate the knowledge and the experience and everything like that that is indicative of uh, a high-end sports field manager right so those are all important things i mean from a personal personal side it's just you know is my family man I mean, they're the most important thing in the world to me um my kids, my wife, like I said, uh, that there's something that um, I I can only pass on, you know, the, the good fortune I've had of, you know, being raised by my parents and everything that they did for me and, and uh, my two brothers I had and everything. So you're know, trying to give them that experience so that, you know, someday when, you know, I'm dead and gone, that they'll do the same thing, you know, with their children and just keep it going. So that's all I can hope for is just legacy, right? Just leave a good legacy behind and same thing as at work, you know, you treat your people right, you treat your family right, and the rest will take care of itself. I truly believe that. If you could have any job, what would it be inside or outside the industry? <laughs> Man, any job. A turf grass attorney. That would be fun, man. I would be all <laughs> over that. Like if I if I had a wife and, and kids, I I would go back to law school like right now. 
and do that and, and <laughs> that would be that would be a good time i basically am kind of like that now because you know from the sense that uh I'm going to tell you all the bad stuff you shouldn't do to get yourself in trouble. Right. So mm-hmm. it's like, you know, you have that attorney that's all, you know, kind of on a retainer and you, and it's telling you like, I wouldn't do that on your taxes or, you know what, I wouldn't, you know, associate with these individuals for this reason, that kind of thing. Like I already am kind of that turf attorney or, you know, going on the offensive for you when somebody tries to screw you over and uh, I got to go in there and try and make it right. So, yeah, I like that, Chris. That's a, that's a new one. We ought to, um, you know, go to the career and the guidance counselors in school and tell them that's an option now. Yeah. Attorney. Yeah. Um, favorite quote or phrase? I mean, it doesn't have to be turf related, but you just something that sticks with you. Uh, I don't know who it's associated with. I think it might be Maya Angelou, but you know, kind of same thing. I've I've been harping on here with the people is uh, people will forget what you did, people will forget what you said, but people will never forget how you make them feel. So people will forget what you did. People will Absolutely. forget what you said, but people will never forget how you feel, how you made me feel. So that to me is really indicative of just, again, I, you know, you think about that quote and you think about somebody from your past and it could be somebody who was really, really close to you. It could be somebody that was not that close with you, but you can always remember like, Hey, that guy or that gal was a good person or I don't really like them because whatever. And it's usually hard to remember some of the things, you know, the, the real solid examples, but you know how you felt when you're around that person or with that person. So I think that's important. Mm-hmm. If you could pick one meal, what would it be? Ooh, one meal. Um, damn, this is tough. I would say um, something simple because I'm a simple person, man. Just like a nice filet, maybe a loaded baked potato, side of like you know asparagus or some roasted broccoli or something. And, oh man, that's you know, man, yeah, just simple. Nothing. I don't. I, I don't get into the fancy stuff all that much. But uh, yeah, you know, maybe out on the beach somewhere, maybe some water, some sunset, some waves. Uh-huh. I, I can see it now. Yeah. Speaking of some asparagus, let me tell you what I've done recently. <laughs> We're just going to break into this real quick so we can, if anybody is a fan of vegetables, like on the grill, I took temple and I made a pouch with it. I put the asparagus in it. Okay. I took uh, about two, what is it, little, when you cut the butt, what's that? It's a tablespoon, right? Yeah, yeah the first yeah. line's a tablespoon. Yeah. I take, I cut one tablespoon and then I cut that in half and I laid it in there. You know, everything has to be symmetrical with me. Just FYI. <laughs> so I do that. And then I have Weber. I think it's Weber. Makes a garlic Parmesan rub for meat or whatever. Oh. Well, it doesn't matter what yeah, you put it on. So I take a little olive oil, drizzle over that uh, asparagus. And then I sprinkle that garlic Parmesan rub on there. And I put it on the grill in that full man. I took my mom hates asparagus. This so it was this was a great test. So I made her eat it, and she has begged me this weekend to go get some asparagus and to cook some of that on the grill. That because she never comes over here for anything since I moved out of the house years ago. <laughs> and she said, "I'll come over there. I'll go over there and help you with something if you'll cook some of that asparagus." <laughs> I said, "Well, oh wow." So anybody doing the, any High fresh praise. vegetables, 
anybody doing some fresh vegetables, go get you some of that garlic parmesan rub and just try it. Put a little bit of olive oil on it. Even if it's broccoli, I bet you'd be good with broccoli too. Um, it's very good. Oh, there's no doubt. Highly no recommend. Doubt. Highly I'm, recommend. I'm gonna have to do it. Now I'm going to have to go do it, right? Yeah. See, the, my, my food consultant just said, you know, my wife's probably been telling me about this for like five years, but now you just said, hey, go get that Weber Parmesan rub, and I'm going to go do it tomorrow. Yeah. So there you are. You, yeah. just, you just total rule reversal me, man. Yeah. That was it. Yeah. I'm sold. If, if you wake up tomorrow, you've won the lottery. What's the first thing you do? What's your first non-essential purchase? One, I'm not going to tell anybody. I I'm talking I'm like yeah, no, I'm my, my, my immediate family and everybody else is going to be like nothing. And I would I honestly, you know, I'd slow down at work considerably. I, I'd still take on some projects because like my mind would just explode if I didn't. Um, but I would probably live, you know, pretty simply. I'd travel a lot, um, but it'd be for like purely turf stuff. Like I would go and see, it would be total turf tourism. I'd go see and visit with different people and go see the sites and everything. And um, yeah, that's, that's what I'd probably do is just uh, as much as I nerd out now, I would just be a nerd on the road is all. That's all. Well, lastly, sad, but that's true. So, yeah, no, this man, it, you know, I catch myself when I go places now and when I go on trips, I'm like, so I've been flying this past year or mm -hmm. yeah, I've flown twice this year because okay. when I booked my flights, the flights were still really cheap. So I was like, yeah, this is awesome. Mm. I flew to Louisiana one time and I go see my uncle in Atlanta and instead of me driving eight hours, they have a direct flight at our small airport about an hour from my home. And mm -hmm. it's a $110 round trip mm -hmm. from Jacksonville, North Carolina to Atlanta. Oh, yeah. Atlanta. It's a Delta direct flight, long. direct flight. And I'm just like, uh, I can't even drive that for a for $120. Like, nah. And I just carry a carry on. Yeah. I roll up my shirts and put them in there. And then I go see them so much. I'm going to start. I'm just going to take me the clothes I take with me next time. I'm going to leave there. And <laughs> just start having them wash them for you or something. That's no, no, I'm just going to wash I them like before it. I leave and fold them up and put them in my, put them in that my little, like a little tote, you know, and I'm gonna leave them right there. So I'll like next time I'll just walk on the plane. <laughs> I just won't, I just won't have nothing. Just my iPad. And stuff. You're gonna get eyed up. You're gonna be eyed up by TSA hardcore if you do that. Yeah. Like, wait, what's this guy doing? What are you yeah, doing? Probably so. Yeah. So I'm gonna need you to step over here for a pat down. Yeah, except over here, this, the country terrorist is out here. Let's let's get him over here. <laughs> There's no telling what I'd be accused of. <laughs> He's probably got drugs on him. He's talking and he's talking about grass. Keeps talking about grass. I don't know what it is. So yeah. <laughs> hey, just tell him it's it's the it's the real recreational stuff, not the other recreational stuff. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, Trust last I'm, I'm clean. <laughs> no doubt, man. Oh man, that would be a trip. Well, lastly, what are some words of wisdom that you would like to share for young and upcoming turf professionals? That's what I always end it with. And it seems like a good thing to reel it back to, you know, talk about our, you know, nerding out on our grass. Yeah. I, I mean, I would say from uh, the workplace side, you know, keep talking about people, 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 and that's so important is find good people to work for, choose people over places. That's more important. And uh, you know, if you have a passion for it, just, 
you know, find a way to make sure that you're always engaged, right? If, it, if it's no longer fun where you're at and it's no longer engaging, it's time for you to move on. It's time for you to go someplace else. And that doesn't necessarily mean get, get discouraged, get out of the industry, all that kind of stuff. It just means there's another spot for you somewhere else where you're going to be more engaged and more happy, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, don't ghost people. Don't take the easy way out. Be a, be a man or a, a lady and walk in there and quit with dignity. I've heard so many stories about the ghosting stuff anymore. So don't do that, please. On the, the turf side is uh, just patience is, is so key in this industry. And I see, you know, I'm guilty of it too. Trust me, uh, I, I can lose my patience. But I've really, that's one thing I've really worked on over these last, you know, really 15 years of being a manager, uh, whether it be in golf or in sports turf, is just try to learn how to be, you know, patient. There's a good quote one of my uh, agriculture professors, you know, when we, we would do basic ag classes and things like that at Ohio State. And uh, his quote was, nothing happens quickly in agriculture except for crop failure. So be patient. <laughs> and he's you know, so when true. You, That's so true. When you're, when you're 20 years old and it's an 8 a.m. class and you're sitting there hearing this, it's like, yeah, that makes a little bit of sense. And then years on down the line, you sit there, I think about that all the time. And so I got to tell you know, clients that I've got to tell people I work with that and, and all that is just, Hey, be patient. And, right. and, and yeah, that's, that's a good way of, uh, staying true to yourself and not getting too far ahead of yourself and not ruining your own expectations is if you stay patient, you'll be good. Yeah. It's funny. I remember it. It's crazy. The things that you remember once they hit, once they click and it's like, why didn't I remember that before? But I remember it now, and it'd be ten mm -hmm. years ago, you know. Um, especially yep. when it comes no to you, like my instructors and things like that. Man, it's I mm -hmm. remember more quotes from my economics instructor. At my it was ag economics. Man, I remember more from him because he was so fun. He made everything fun. I mean he he was super organized, but he like busting the door like Kramer. He'd like busting the door and act like he was unorganized. He'd try and put his papers on the desk and maybe all falling down. And he'd just like make everybody laugh. You know, that's just what he did. It was, you know, I remember everything that he said. Oh, man. You know, and it's crazy. Yeah, I was like, that's, that's just, <laughs> I mean, that's, a, it made a mark though, right? Like he, it he, did. he didn't I mean, sit there just droning on. He, he had his own style and, it and I've always kept up with him, you know, since school. And then, I had people like Casey Reynolds, who was so personable and so easy to talk to, so professional. Mm -hmm. And he was, a, and he done such good graduate work, you know, that we all use. I mean, it's in Sports Turf Magazine. It's in, mm -hmm. I mean, and it's just been great information. Um, uh, Art Bruno, uh, mm -hmm. Charles Peacock, you know, all these people are my instructors and my advisors at NC State, and they were just, you know, Travis Gannon, uh, Lee Butler, you know, all those guys were graduate guys when I was going to school. Um, so it's, uh, it was pretty awesome. No, and I think that's, that's the, the thing too. That's a great message for young people as well is that, you know, keep those contacts. Like I was saying earlier in the show is, uh, you, you you because of the size of the industry you don't want to burn any bridges obviously but you know those people are just as much of a conduit to the informal information of being able to pick up and you know 
you know, for you to call up uh, Dr. Miller and be like, I'm going to send you a picture. I have no idea what this is. And I, I need to know, or, you know, what it is, or, Hey, I'm going through this situation. I'm sure you've probably heard about it before. Can you just, you know, talk to me for 15 minutes on the phone and make sure what I'm thinking is right or redirect me to uh, a better plan, something like that. And so right. yeah, invaluable, invaluable resources. And it's all built on relationships with people. It's, it's so important. Well, Ryan, it's been a pleasure, man. I, I've really enjoyed it. Uh, we're going to have a follow-up one of these in a couple of months. Uh, when the yeah, no doubt. When the season, when the season uh, kind of when when is your peak season? Have you noticed yet? Well, this is your first year in it, so I guess we're going to gauge everything <laughs> after this. Your first well, full-time year, right? First full-time year, yeah. I mean, um, well, I'm sure it's always heck, been full-time, but we 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 were we were busy, you know, basically all winter, um, doing planning and training and all that kind of stuff with different clients. And so I don't know how this will shake out, but you know, I can always make time and it, you know, it's good to sit on here and talk just with, uh, you know, people like you that are like-minded that, you know, I think want to, you know, share that voice to the industry of people who are in it, have that real conversation. And so I'll, I'll, I'll make time for you no matter when, uh, when we're, where we're at in the season, how busy we are, and, and all that kind of stuff, for sure. Oh, are you going to go to Nashville this year? I will. I will be down in Savannah. No yep. doubt about it. I'm going as well. So, it's been my first trip to Nashville. Oh, so, wow. Well, you'll, we'll make sure you enjoy it, no doubt. No yeah, doubt. so I'm going to have a good time. I'm going to go down there and network some and mm -hmm. give me a good list up for people for the year. And you got to bring your laptop. Maybe we'll record right there live on the show for Oh, man. Yeah, that's what we'll do. There you go. Yeah, there man. you go. Well, hey, I really appreciate the opportunity to come on, speak to you, speak to your listeners. I know you're growing this, and I'd love to see it. Um, really proud of what you've done and how you've tried to spread the word on, uh, you know, the fine folks that are in this industry. And keep on, keep on, on, man. Yeah, man, I appreciate it. Well, I hope to see you. Uh, I at least hope to see you there. But uh, we're gonna keep in touch uh, for sure, and we're gonna talk to each other this winter. But uh stay in touch with us and uh we're gonna give a little shout out and where can people find give everybody your website address your twitter handle stuff like that for your business and all that yeah so uh for my business you can reach us at uh, www.fieldsourceohio.com on twitter you can reach us at at fieldsourceohio and then my personal twitter is at rtdemay turf r-t-d-e-m-a-y turf so fun stuff on there check us out always following along with projects and things like that and cool stuff we're doing. Love to interact with people. Yep. All right. Well, we'll see you and uh, you have a good night. Take care, man. Thank you. Yeah, man. We'll see you. Well, that's it for today's episode. Again, I'm your host, Chris Toppings with the Dirt on Turf podcast. And before we leave you, let me remind you about netting professionals. It doesn't matter what kind of netting you need, whether it's for a batting cage, a dugout, driving range, backstops, check out netting professionals. Go to their website, www.nettingpros.com or follow them on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, or LinkedIn. You don't want to miss out with these people. 
Give them a call. Let them give you a price. They'll take care of you. Until next week, I'm Chris Toppings. We'll see you then.